right, welcome back to the Nitty Gritty episode, not two. 1,076. Like you said, 1,057. <laughs> 120. Wow. That's a lot. So today we sat down with a good friend of mine, BYU Athletics friend, but now she's the director of operations for a big-time golfer, which you'll find out who soon, but her name is Chelsea Fairborn. She is... I've known her forever from BYU. She is the basically the MC of all the biggest sporting events at Marriott Center, yeah, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. She's like, and a lot of people come up to me like, "How do I know you?" It's yeah, yeah. such a familiar voice. It's totally familiar voice. She's done great at it. Her story is awesome. She has lived a lot of life for twenty eight years old. Oh yeah, some of the stuff that she's just kind of said yes to and gone with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I can do that, and then I'll figure it out. Yeah, and she, it's. Her job at BYU kind of morphed because of her marketing and broadcasting kind of morphed into this kind of loose referral that came in to her old boss at BYU to be the head of the new Tony Finau foundation. Which is right? even that she talks about how much it's evolved and yeah, you know now all the different stuff that she's involved with on that end. And she's still doing all the BYU stuff. So it's pretty cool because she's still kind of in both worlds. And yeah. she kind of built out this director of ops thing. And she's just, she's accomplished a ton. Her story is awesome. She's really, really fun to talk to because she's just this happy, energetic person. And yeah. very humble still. And But when you hear what she's kind of built out, she's it's pretty impressive. Yep, so totally. You'll, you'll love this one. We loved having her. So thanks for coming, Chelsea. And we hope you guys love it. Welcome, Nitty Gritty. We are back. And we're on episode number two now with Chelsea, because it's about how long it took us in our pre-episode. Oh, I get it. I was like, what is this? What? <laughs> episode number two? Both of you guys were really confused. I mean, I didn't know any better, so I just went with it. But We're starting over? We're here with Chelsea Fairborn, and I got to make sure I get all of this stuff right. <laughs> Director of Operations, Tony Finau Golf. Arena host, BYU. Studio 5 reporter, Am I missing anything else? No, that's it. You covered it all. <laughs> See how fast and good that was? I know. Thank you, you for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm I can't so wait to jump into this a little bit. So now, how did you and Cam meet? So me and Cam met while I was at BYU. I worked okay. in the athletic department, and I want to say Bronco had a radio show back in the day that was filmed here at, or like a simulcast, that was here at Bam Bam's. And I was like this lowly intern that got assigned to be here every week. And Cam was like, oh, here, have some free food. And I was just like familiar and here every Tuesday or whatever day it was. And so, I thought yeah. she was more important than she was. <laughs> I'm still regret giving her free food. I'm just kidding. Yeah, once you give me free food, yeah. I'm like a stray cat. I just don't Gosh, go dang away. It. She's just an intern. <laughs> so how long ago was that? Oh, that would have been like. Seven I mean, if Bronco was ago? here, yeah. Seven, eight seven years. or eight years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you doing at the time? So you were interning in BYU. Were you in like media? I was in marketing, sports marketing. Okay. So I was there. Um, my the IMG days, right? Yeah. I When IMG was officially what it was called, but I was on the creative marketing side um, under David Almodova. So that's, yeah, I kind of got thrown into a lot of different things. But at that point, I was under football marketing. So all things like radio shows, the the TV shows, like anything that needed the kind of athletic department sparkling touch, if you will, from the marketing side, um, they sent me in okay. with, with the team. How many, was it just you that would show up to the events or was there like a team, like a group of interns that there would go? There were like, I mean, total, I think there were 30 interns when I was going through it. Okay. And then 
there were five or six that were assigned to football. Um, so I imagine there were a couple of others. And that was when they first started branching out their social media team as well. So I didn't fall under that side. Um, but they brought in some new people then. And so that was like Stuart Call was kind of the their fearless leader there. And then he had some interns on his side that came in too. So it was probably three Stu. or four of us. Stu, we love, love Stu. Stu. <laughs> what made you get into that originally? Like what? I mean, were you always into kind of athletics and marketing? Yeah, I well, I didn't even know what marketing was. Honestly, when I, <laughs> okay. I marketing's kind of this, when you first get into it, you don't really know how to describe it or I what I don't it think is. anyone really knows no, what marketing is. No, I still couldn't give you a good definition. Um, but I was 18 at BYU and I got an email that was like, oh, a sports marketing internship. And I had loved like all through high, well, Growing up, I played soccer. I played soccer competitively. Didn't really work out for one reason or another to play at uh, the college level. And so I was craving like my sports fix. Um, And so around that time, I get this email. I wasn't involved in anything at BYU. I went from like big fish in a small pond and like a teeny tiny town in Utah to then like feeling really just out of place and on my own isolation island. Where did you grow up? Morgan. Okay. Yeah. So small, no stoplights. You yeah. lived in Morgan? I did. I want to move there now. Oh, well. Morgan's yeah. like the new Heber. Yes, 100%. Like it's still holding way strong. Better. Yeah. It is way better. You've just got cattle guards and yield signs. Like and Browning. Every, and br- everybody references Browning, and, Browning, and I've never been to Browning. Oh. Yeah, we got some wide open space and land, and I was not a farmer, but <laughs> I could be if, <laughs> if I uh, need to. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went from like, Small, 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 small. I went to school with everybody from kindergarten to 12th grade. Like there were 150 of us that were just like really close. And by that, I mean, we know who held hands in fifth grade and like (laughs) the whole family line of of everybody you were with. So then I go from that to BYU and it was really jarring. And so when I saw something, I was like, oh, sports and marketing and intern. I was like, okay, That sounds fun. And then I... Like a week later, I got called in for an interview and they were like, yeah, you can be an intern. And I thought it was like the biggest thing in the world. And I really don't have any, I don't know how many people did or didn't apply. I just went with it. And then they're like, okay, you're going to go and pass out like Cosmos Kids Club bookmarks for 10 hours. And I was like, sick. Okay. (laughs) And that was, that was the start. That was how it all got going. Yeah. Did you have something as you got going that you started to gravitate towards or did they kind of dictate where you went and what you did? Yeah, I, I was pretty... I was a yes girl um, early on that I was just like, I'll do whatever, like wherever you need me, I'm happy to be there. I didn't have like a ton of friends at the time that I had met yet at BYU or that I had moved down with. And so I was like just really eager to latch on to something. Um, So I kind of did everything that first year. And then I gravitated more toward events. Like I loved special events um, and anything. I mean... Marketing, you get to, especially in sports marketing, you do a lot of behind the scenes work and like creating an atmosphere and and game day atmosphere, which was something that was cool. So I loved events. I loved fan engagement. I remember my first football season that I was with them that they, it was when Justin Bieber was doing like his Biebering and he'd have some of his team go up to the nosebleeds at his concerts and they'd do these huge productions and bring these people down and give them floor seats. And so I got to do that for BYU and go and find people and like give them like field passes sometimes and like it was so cool and I loved the warm fuzzies and (laughs) they came with it and I just like really latched onto that so I was really eager anytime there was an opportunity to basically look cool and like give someone a cooler experience (laughs) I was all about it that's so much fun I mean 
Yeah, to go up to the top because that's where the that's where like the real fans are. No, right? No. Yes, that's true. I'm a real fan, and I don't sit up there. <laughs> Just kidding. Exactly. No, it's true. You have to be a real fan because you're right. I wouldn't. Well, it's like you with the jazz. Like, you're, what are you up to? The tenth row now. Like, if it's not below the tenth row, you won't go. Oh, I never said that. That's a little elitist. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem saying something like that for me. Like, especially with TV now. Like, TV's so good. It's like, if I'm going to go to the sporting event, I want, like, it's got to be in a pretty good spot, right? Well, that's, I mean, I haven't been to a lot of BYU stuff because, one, the traffic, like, in and out. Yeah, it is bad. Is good thing so they put those like buses in. I am an old man. Good yeah, thing I those am. buses were put in. Because those have really helped lighten the load. Yeah, it's been so nice. Oh, my gosh. What a joke. But yeah, just like TV and multiple angles and replays. Yeah. It does make, Sporting, really easy. Well, then it com- <laughs> yeah. my marketing brain goes, then you have to go for the atmosphere, right? Like the right. atmosphere has to be something that's going to make it warranted to get off your couch, go through the whole process because I'm with you, like jazz games, if it's not Lower Bowl or a playoff game, I'm not going. Yeah. That sounds snobby, but it is what it, it is. is. I, it I, is super snobby. But it's yeah, not snobby. I'm not row, <laughs> but I'm like, uh, I could watch this at home and eat Domino's. I could probably eat totally. there too, but... Well, for twice yeah. the money. For twice. Well, the that's money. the other thing is I've been saying this for years. Like atmosphere is huge. Like what can you, stadiums have to look at it? Like what can we do here for the fans that they just can't get right. at home? BYU is finally waking up. Yeah. A little like they still have a ways to go. Well, just like the Cougar Walk, all the stuff they're doing on the west side of the stadium, we still don't have tailgating, which is a joke. But. I mean, they have the little tailgate lot, but those guys should all be in the west lot. Like, they should just be on the main lot right by the stadium all day long. But that could start drinking, so we can't do tailgating. We don't want that. No, because we don't want people, you know, after 60 years of not drinking, just saying, oh, we're tailgating. I should get beer. Feels right. You know, that's the logic of our BYU police department. (laughs) So, anyway, um, but... Food in the stadium is another huge one. They're finally getting a little bit better, but there's still way too many BYU-run vending spots. Like, they should all be local restaurants. Like, really good food. And not just in one spot. Like, that's the biggest reason... I have this shut off. Oh, RoboKiller. Sorry. (laughs) That's the biggest reason that Bam Bam's isn't at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is because you pay 40%. And gross of your gross sales, and you get one spot. Like when I sold at the U, you get three. And so, Lavelle Edwards Stadium is such a big stadium. Like, if you're only under one of those sides, like nobody's gonna walk all the way around. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so you you need multiple spots. So I mean, just stuff like that. But like sports marketing is doing a lot of really cool stuff. So like, like what would you do to make the show. environment and culture like like how, like what type of stuff would you do? Obviously, the tickets bringing them down, that's a big thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I think what I realized really qu- – I didn't know how everything came together on yeah. game day or who that ran through. And that runs through marketing. So you have one person over marketing or football marketing that facilitates everything that you see and hear and experience on game day. So when you're sitting there and videos are queued or, I mean, now I do live mic there. And when that's queued, like all of that comes from one person and the sponsorship. And so that's – that's something that I didn't really realize. Um, so they can kind of 
control what some of those hype videos look like and how sponsors are activating and how they're fulfilling and what different um, timeout promotions they're doing and who I'm heckling essentially when I'm on, on the mic now. Um, I say he- heckling lovingly. Um, and so it, it's, it's really broad. Um, what surprised you the most? How much work went into it. Okay. Um, when you go to a, I'm annoying to go to sporting events with now because I can see it from the TV side and I can see it from the marketing side. And so when something goes wrong or when something's happening, I'm like, oh, they did that weird or they did this weird. And give me an example. Um, what are you about? like if a graphic pops up on a screen and like if I go to a jazz game and the little graphic rotates and like it's spelled wrong and then I'm like, oh, marketing mm, rough. Or um, if like their timing cues are off coming in and out of music or if music is still playing, I mean, this wouldn't apply to the jazz, but like a BYU basketball game or another school, music is still playing coming out of a timeout, that's going to be a problem. Um, Or if you like some of just when things, yeah, I guess I notice when things go wrong now at sporting events more than I would have because I know how intentional everything is there. So like, what does it take like for a, I mean... BYU football game, how many people are involved in like that production of yeah. that, that event? Uh, on the marketing side, I'm mentally counting. There were probably five to seven interns that were on the field to help run um, marketing and promos. And then they've got four full-time employees that kind of float and have different roles because they're all ad- assigned to different sports but come together for football. Um, and then they have a larger intern team when they have to, when like fourth quarter, um, fourth quarter break or third quarter break when they, when they're going into the fourth quarter, that requires a lot more people and a lot more hands. And so that's an extension of marketing, um, with more interns or you're reaching out to other departments. So it's a big, big production. Um, I'd say probably I'm not involved in all of the details now, but there's probably like 30 people at least just on the marketing side that help make some of those things happen. It's a lot. Um, yeah. Well, and that's just marketing, right? right. Like you yeah. still have corporate sponsorships. That's a whole nother. And they team. have their that's own the team. Thing, yeah. That's the thing with BYU. Like there's a lot of the same, it gets a little confusing and a little yeah. muddled sometimes. Well, I'm confused sometimes and I worked there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of, a lot of overlapping. And I mean, there would be production meetings or script meetings days before the game. And there were probably, 15, maybe 20 different departments and different people that came and represented who needed to be represented on game day. And then they'd go back to their different things. So when did you start doing what you're currently doing then as far as like the the live hosting? Yeah, I started filling in who, who we had emceeing when I was in school got sick. And they were like, oh, you are working on broadcasting. Like here, take this and say this. You have to say their sponsor name like three times. And I was like, okay. And I didn't fail, apparently. So they were like, oh, you're not bad. Like, we'll just keep using you to fill in because I had another role that kind of kept me busy during games. And then when I was about to graduate, they said, hey, like who we have currently isn't going to work for us going forward. Would you like to come back and just on game day do this and this and this? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't really know what it wouldn't would or wouldn't be because I was the first person that wasn't fully employed by the athletic department to do it. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that would have been... Oh, six years ago, I think. And so, yeah, six years of in arena hosting or whatever we want to call it. Live MCing. MCing. And is it football only you do? No, it's football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. Yeah, which is fun. Which is your favorite? 
I like them all for different reasons. Because they're all so different. It's, yeah. Like the atmosphere is different in all three of those. I think atmosphere, like for just fun sports atmosphere, probably basketball. I was going to say, because it tightens it up a little bit. It tightens it up. The stadium's so big. It's not as technical on my part. So like football... Football is the most scripted I'm going to be. Um, the that highest. was a question. Like, like how much of what you're doing is scripted as yeah, opposed to just talking? I don't do well with memorizing. And I don't think anybody in the industry really should memorize because as soon as you memorize and you're dependent on that, well, yeah, you become robotic. And then if you mess up or you forget, that's paralyzing. Yeah. And you can't come back from like that. The national anthem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cue cards for everyone. Oh, yeah. No matter what. <laughs> Always cue cards. Yep. Um, so now they bullet point for me. So I know what the priorities are. And then I know the inst- like what the promo is, what the instruction is, who the sponsor is. The pro- like That allows me to process it a little bit better. Or they'll just run through the promo with me before I have to MC it at the beginning of the season. And when I can see it, then it's easier for me to just like narrate it. Okay. Um, so that's more how it operates now. But football is going to be the tightest on that. Is it just because the time you have? The time, yep, I have. So commercial breaks are like 2.30 is what they are. And before, I didn't know where I was at in a commercial break at all. Like I had no idea how much time there was left. There's just a guy with a red hat and he'd walk out on the field (laughs) and I'm like, okay, when he starts moving backwards, like I'm toast, I should not be out here. And now they have like a massive clock that they walk out onto the field and it counts down. So I can see that. but I'm not the only thing in a timeout. Yeah. And so sometimes there are two or three other elements and videos that have like hard timelines. So they'll tell me ahead of time, okay, you've got a 30 second video ahead of you. And then I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, so that means we have two minutes left. And they're like, okay, and you got a 30 second video after you. So I'm like, okay, that's a minute. And I'm the only one, re- like the contestants, we don't tell them. They don't need to know sure. how much time they do or don't have. So then it's on me to manage that time accordingly. And I don't have an IFB, so I don't have anybody that's in my ear telling me any updates. It's what just, is IFB? An IFB is in broadcasting. It's an earpiece. Okay. So you could have a producer that's giving you time cues. So on the TV side, any of your hosts or stuff like that would have an IFB so that someone can tell them to get off the field in the moment. Right. Instead, I just have an intern or someone else from marketing like waving their hands <laughs> frantically behind the camera. And I'm like, okay, and we're out. <laughs> And then have to do that seemingly or seamlessly so that it's not jarring to the people watching and the sponsor still feels good about what they got and I'm not going to get tackled or yelled at <laughs> by a rep. Right. So that would be yeah. hard because like, yeah. for example, we tried to do like a 30 second ad <laughs> and it turned into like a four and a half minute ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like to think that you just kind of go on because it does seem easy. So yeah, I can go talk about that. But when you have certain things, especially when a sponsor is paid yeah. to get certain things said, yeah, right? It's like, and that, it, that would be really hard to yeah. manage that time just on the fly. Yeah. And there are ways that we've kind of worked that. Like I, it's never going to work well for me as a live mic to all like read a sales pitch in the moment. Like that's yeah. not, it comes across as clunky. And so we found ways that between me and the PA announcer, he can get in two mentions himself. And then I only have to say it one or two times. And so it can be more formal on the, like to bookend it. Yeah. And then mine can be more raw, um, which has made it a lot easier. It didn't, it wasn't always that way. Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be tricky. And most of the time it works out. It's, What's the funniest fail? Um, the funniest <laughs> fail. Um, so two of them. There, there are two. Okay. My biggest mess up 
was at a basketball game. I completely forgot to ask the name of the half court shot. And I like had this was back when I was like a little more rehearsed. And there was like this countdown video to this half court shot. And I knew that when it said three, that's when I was supposed to like start in talking. So I'm like going through this whole thing. And I get to the point where I'm like, and we've got so like where I would say the name and I had no name. And I like Joseph stopped. Smith. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't as quick said. on my feet. Then I probably would have just been like, I can't remember his name and just gone with it. But at that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know his name. So I just like stopped and I put down the mic and I was like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> so anybody courtside would have heard me yell. And then he was like, what? And I was like, what's your name? And he was like, oh, it's such and such. And then I was like, OK. So there was like probably a three second pause, but it felt like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then I say it and he shoots the shot and he missed and it was whatever. And it's done. So that was my biggest like personal fail. Like how long did you think about that after it happened? Oh, like, I, well, I'm still here talking about it. <laughs> that really let me down. I was hoping for like a cuss no, word well, or something like, oh, son of a bitch. No. I want to like get run over by a ref story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been or hit Cosmo by a football. Cosmo got lit, lit on fire and some of the flames uh, got on me. What's an, oh, well, the other thing, I've been booed multiple times, which what? is fun. Oh, is this better? You wanted me to tell you that yeah, I got food? Yeah, this is okay. juicy. Okay, great. But I also am like mad and protective all of oh, a sudden too. Well, okay. So here's, I also can't count and talk and multitask like at the same time during any promo. So <laughs> football, they love, they love to give or do promos where there's like two people competing and I'm like, okay, also my peripheral vision is limited, right? Like <laughs> they're right here and they're throwing footballs and I like, I can't count oh, and no. talk and all of this and I I knew, so we're, we're doing this promo, they're throwing the footballs. Oh and yeah, I, you're running the game. So I'm running the game. To, okay. And I'm Got talking, it. so I'm talking and trying to keep tabs on it. And there were two interns that were supposed to be counting for me. And I knew in my gut that one guy was clearly doing better than the other. Like I, I could kind of, every time I looked his way, like he was making it. The other guy, like not so much. So I was like, okay, like I think this guy is going to win. So I get to the point where like I wrap it up and I like, no. Turned to the interns and I was like, okay, okay, let's get that tally. And one side is like, oh, we got five. And then the other side, the intern just shrugs. And it was <laughs> it was the side that I thought the guy won. And I'm yeah. like, oh no. Like I don't have any definitive anything. So I was like, my, you had to give it to the five guy. My my gut is telling me like he's probably the guy, but I was like, I don't have a number. So I was like, this is our winner and I point to the guy and I immediately got booed like relentlessly and it was in front of the student section and I was like oh no so you get for doubting yourself I know right so then I and it's hard too because I'm the face of it in that moment so I yeah. can't like I'm mad but I can't be mad and I'm just like oh let me just smile through the it's pain gotten on there like this intern this stupid little hooker <laughs> Did not count. <laughs> yeah, I can't just be like, hi, disclaimer on the mic. Like, there's this intern that just really messes up for me. So we ended up correct. Like, everything gets corrected if I do mess up on the back end. But I, in that moment, like, everybody's booing me. And I think, like, the game wasn't going well either. I want to say it was, like, the 2017 season. So it was, like, they couldn't boo the team. So they were booing me. And I was, like, oh, this hurts. So I, like, took the two people over in front of the student section. And I, like, corrected it. And I raised the other guy's hand. And then, like, they were fine. We just, like, being diplomatic and settled it. But in that moment, I was, like, oh, man. So now I'm, like... The interns probably think I'm nuts because I tell I make sure that they know that they have to count every single time. I'm like really OCD about that before any promos. I'm like, you are counting, you are counting. If you don't count, do you like mm. going to BYU? <laughs> I'm Chelsea I, Fairborn. I don't have a, a threat lined up. 
but I think the look on my face is enough sometimes. And <laughs> oh. Well, it was yeah. funny it, when we were talking, you know, where this kind of came about. Like During the longest about, second quarter of yeah, yeah. second quarters. Yeah. So we're on the sideline at the Virginia game and we're just catching up. And it was so funny because we're talking. Yeah, it was. It was long second quarter. Yeah. And towards the end, you're like, hey, just so you know, like, if we're talking or if you're talking, I just walk away. Like, don't be offended. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. I have to go out and do the thing on the field. And it was so interesting because, you know, this is the Virginia game. So it's sold out, right? Like, I mean, how many does that say? 65, 73,000? Like yeah. I mean, it's so many people. It was so funny because we're just talking. And she's like, okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> like, who's, like, I say I'll be right back when I run to get some milk, right? Like, <laughs> It's so funny to say, like, so calm, so collected. I'm, I'm just going to run out and just totally talk comfortably in front of 65,000 people running a game. And then I'll come back and we'll keep talking about and football. we'll pick up the conversation. Right yeah. It. it was so crazy, but it was so cool to watch because it is like, that's. I'm sure they could just get interns to do this, right? But they're not going to do, like, you do it so well. It's And it's such an important part of, like you said, the atmosphere. So it's like... This is something that should be like we should be spending good money, hopefully, right? You yeah, deserve it. We got some good money, and it's and and it is. It's a big part of it, especially where it's baseball, basketball, and you want to see a familiar face and get in the groove and have somebody that especially knows. Be like especially if you for see him, well, it, that you know? and for me is like I'm a sponsor, I'm a partner, right? Like it is important the people that are repping your name for oh, you, yeah. right? That are read like like this year it's not Greg reading my ad in the football games and I hate it. I don't <laughs> like it. Spicy. It's so lame. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to read it for and you? I mean I'm my ADHD I never give them like a script. Like <laughs> I'm just like just have Greg do it. Because Greg loves Bam Bams, yeah. right? But I finally heard the ad like three weeks ago. I'm like, that is horrible. Like, like, okay, I will be sending a script. Yeah, Thank well, you. no, I just want, I'll just make sure the contract says Greg Rubel reads it because yeah. like whenever he reads it, he goes over. Yeah. And just because he's a Give fan of the restaurant. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like you can hear, you could hear how much he actually likes the restaurant and that's, yeah. but that's important. Like, cause it is, it's a lot of money. It's yeah. a lot of money to have your name talked about during these games. So you want somebody that does a good job. Well, and it makes a difference, right? Like it does. The Jazz now have someone who's really good. Last, they had people who weren't as good. As like, well, you <laughs> right. can just stop. Just go away. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just go. I, no one wants to listen to you. There's no gray area. It's either good or it's bad. Yeah. Right? And well, if it's good, it can make, it really makes a difference. It yeah. makes it fun. And honestly, the ideal is for people to not, for what I'm doing, to stand out in a way that you don't realize that it's standing out. So. Yeah. There shouldn't be anything glaring about what I'm doing. So I'm not like, it's not the Chelsea show out there. I'm complimenting what's happening. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, I'll be, I'll brag for you. Okay. Thank you. It's the Chelsea show. Um, (laughs) But it shouldn't be this big production. That's me centered, right? Like I'm a voice behind it. Um, Like I, well, what's funny is when, if, People know that I'm familiar. If I run it, if I go into Target almost every time in Utah County, they're like, somebody stops me and they're like, you look so familiar. Like, how do I know you? And I like can't Tinder. Think, I'm like, well, well, I'd be really concerned if like a middle-aged mom is finding me on Tinder. I would say like Grindr, oh. Tinder. It's uh, something awkward word, every word time. Word spreads fast here. So who knows who that could get to? Uh, <laughs> no, so it's, it's funny because people recognize me as like being a familiar face or 
more more often than not a voice like i've been on the phone talking to my mom in target and i will get off the phone and then this lady came up to me this was last week she came up to me she's like this is so weird but i know your voice and we're like do you do radio do you do this and i was like first of all not radio like come on now no just kidding <laughs> this is not a face <laughs> this, is, for radio. this is not a, a face, face for radio. radio yeah um and i was and it's so i hate being like oh are you a BYU sports fan but <laughs> if they are then like that's where they know me from sure. they just don't realize they know me from like, how come every time I hear your voice, I want Costa Vita all of a sudden? Why, why do I want to buy a minky couture baby blanket? Like, it's so weird. All of this subliminal messaging. Uh, but exactly that. Like, they, so they, I'm a personality for BYU, but not so much that, like, who I am overshadows what the product is, which is by design. And well, it's like a good interviewer. You don't yeah. really, re- you don't exactly. know that they're asking questions yep. because you're all only focused on the person they're interviewing. On the subject. You know yep. what I mean? It's the same idea. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And there are little nuances. Like if people find my voice grating or annoying, that's a problem. <laughs> or if my delivery or if I talk, like there are little things like that that luckily I haven't run into too much. Um, I don't know why. I will just say oh, I'm just blessed. Because you do a good job. Well, but I'm like, I didn't go through, I guess I had broadcasting training, but I didn't have a ton of formal training. They just like threw me out there and I'm like, okay, well, what you see is what you get. Right. And so that, I mean, it's fun for me because a lot of, they've given me a little bit of a longer leash and so I can have more fun with it and personality and call it like I see it sometimes and I might offend six-year-olds, but it's okay because um, I give them a t-shirt after. I don't... <laughs> yeah. It's amazing <laughs> what people will do for t-shirts. Oh, my words. word. Or they're what people do fit you. when they go on the, the, the Jumbotron, too. When they're on the, when, oh, my God. When they go on the Jumbotron or when there's like a shirt or a ball being thrown, it's just like, woo. The you anxiety know, that I get from being on a Jumbotron when I'm not planning to be on a Jumbotron, I am not one of those that's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, look at me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not here. You did not see me. Like, I. It's I, amazing how I was watching, I was watching Michael Jordan's um, – like eulogy at Kobe Bryant's okay. funeral the other day. Yep. I was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> no, no, no. And Did he write his own there, eulogy? There's, a, there's the, I'm getting somewhere. So it was so funny talking about the Jumbotron, right? Yeah. You have all these famous people there yeah. who are very used to being on TV, being in front of cameras. Every time that a camera went to somebody in the stands, I could not believe how many famous people were like, Looking like they weren't looking, but they wanted to see if they were on the Jumbotron. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh. it just shows you the power of the Jumbotron. These people that are super famous that are there like celebrating Kobe Bryant's life. And they're like, they don't want to look like they're, they're looking like up, but they're just side-eyeing like, am, am I on it? Am I on it? Such am a I real thing. It? I know I was on the Grammys last night, but am I on the Jumbotron? <laughs> so it's true. Like people really want to be on the Jumbotron. And it's so fleeting. And I don't know yeah. if that's why, like any nerves that other people would have about being on a massive screen. Like they're not <laughs> in that moment thinking 65,000 people. Right. Like I think they're just naive enough. And like, it's only a second and it's not going anywhere. So like, I will do whatever. But, but yeah. Oh, totally. And the best is like, they don't, it doesn't register until right before the camera like leaves them. Yeah. So it's like, they look and they're like, and the first thing they always do is tell like, <laughs> And then they point. And then they point. And, they and then they go. And then right when they start doing something weird, the camera like it's switches off. and they're still just like, uh, 
Because they missed their window. You got to be ready. You got to be ready in that first two (laughs) seconds. That's when the camera operator is deciding how long they're going to stay on you. Has there been a moment like a, not like a pinch me moment, but one where you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. Or maybe something that made you really nervous. Um, yeah, I, two, two things come to mind. Um, Qualtrics a couple years ago used to, well, they still, they have their five for the fight and they would do this read that was a straight, I couldn't ad lib it. Like it was, they wanted it word for word and I was on camera for the first 30 seconds of it. And they'd have, they wanted all of the lights in the arena to go down. And basically I would say one line about if you've had cancer, like turn your flashlight on essentially on your Is phone. Is it for, in basketball? It was a basketball. Yeah. And they tried to do it at football. It was, we, we don't have LED lighting. So yeah. a little trickier there. Um, at basketball. And that was like, I knew it was a I know it's a big moment and important when I get texts from like a lot of different departments saying like don't mess this up or like hey you might want to practice this and this and this and <laughs> I that was Yikes. the case for 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 this situation and so I remember being really nervous because I don't put a ton of pressure on myself like for it as soon as you lean into what your situation is that I it's it can be crumbling like I I don't really think about like I can't in that moment think, oh my gosh, I'm walking out in front of twenty thousand people. They're going to hear everything that I say. Like the more you build it up, the worse you're going to do every single time. Um, and so anytime people build that up externally, it gets really hard to like hone in on what I need to do. And it that went okay every single time, but that was a lot of it was a meaningful moment or moment. It was supposed to be impactful. They wanted donations. Um, and it was the only time that all like the product is five for the fight, but when they send you out to half court and you have three spotlights on you, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this hits a little different and you're going to be on camera for 30 seconds and you're supposed to look straight into the camera and also turn on your flashlight and also hold a script and you have a microphone and I'm out of hands. So that's, those are little nuances that can make a moment like that really tricky. Yeah. Um, so that was that's one, and then the pinch me moments have come with like big stage games, um, and I think that happened for me the Gonzaga game of 2020. That oh, was <clears throat> unreal, unreal energy. Like when when everything comes together, that you have everything on the marketing side, everything on the sports side, um, a lot of hype surrounding it, and then for those games, those are also my biggest games because you have the most like sponsor activation. Right. Yeah. And so I remember I was out there almost every time out. And what's so cool when the team's playing well, and you like when I'm going into timeouts, and then I like the applause. And the crowd is so loud that I have to wait in order to do anything. Then I'm kind of like, oh, sorry, I'm a buzzkill. But here I am. I'm going to give somebody a free shirt. Um, <laughs> that, starts doing the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing Please their be thing. Quiet. Um, that that's those are pinch me moments. Like they're not cheering for me, but I know sure. that like the stage is set and it's a really cool atmosphere. And then mentally that clock that we talked about, I'm like counting down in my brain. I'm like, you guys just cheered for 30 extra seconds. And that's I've right. got, I've got 45 to be in and out before Mark Pope hopefully doesn't yell at me. Coming <laughs> to get off the court. Um, that's never happened. He's great. Um, and should not be focused on what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Chris's job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He can yell at me. That's fine. Um, so yeah, anytime the, the stage is set, I mean like the Utah game this year for football, same kind of thing that there's all this momentum, all this buildup and there's like personal like investment too. that my very first college football game was 54, 10 
in whatever year that was, 2011, oh, when we just got obliterated and I was like, I thought that sports were supposed to be fun. Like, <laughs> what do we do now? And so I, that has been the story of the entire time that I've been working for for BYU and for BYU fans in general. And so that was another really cool game where the stage met, the marketing met, my personal investment and stake in it. And it was really cool. That's awesome. I saved the refs' lives at the Gonzaga game. You did. Were you there? Did you see that? Yes, I did. Did I you remember. really? Yes. Oh, man. I should get an award for this. Yeah, true. I don't <laughs> know even what the award homo, would be called. Even but... Homo came up after. He's like, thank you so much. <laughs> the student yeah. section was like jumping the rails, you know, at the end of the game. And Homo comes over like screaming because the refs are trying to get off the floor. So yeah. He's just like, no, 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 no. And I just. I stick my hands out and I just bulldoze like <laughs> 20 kids, just push them. You had your I push this whole you. line of kids like three feet back and just open up this, like just parted this little lane and all three refs just go <laughs> right in and homo just comes up. Like, Thank you, bro. Thank you so much. Like I got you. I got, that was so When all of a sudden night. they send you a uniform and they're like, okay, we're going <laughs> to station you here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like what? Why did I have a 4XL tall event staff jacket show up in the mail? With a little metal plate yeah. with your name on it. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, a Segway. This is going to be great. Mall cop after service. Oh, That was great. Well, and th that's got to be one of the funnest parts of it for you, yeah. right? Because you would get a front row seat. Well, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. But, and it, you know, last few years, I would say a lot more good than really bad. It's been really cool. And I, it's like a funnel. So when you're right. at those venues, especially, yeah, football and basketball, everything funnel, like all the energy comes down to the court. And I, I mean, interesting. I, and so, well, one, I get migraines every Sunday, like after a game. Really? It's brutal because it's so loud and the sound doesn't have anywhere to go. So when it hits the, like, I don't know the science behind it, but when it hits the floor, like it's going to reverberate back up. Right. And I just feel like in the moment, I don't notice it, but then I go home and I'm like, oh no. And I'm like popping Advil before I go to bed. And I'm wow. like, please bless. And it never works. I get a migraine almost every Sunday morning. Interesting. But. Um, I think that's also age. The older I've gotten, I'm like, I don't bounce back as the quickly as I did. The age of 27 years old. <laughs> oh, I'm 28. I'm 28. 28. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but I just, that didn't happen to me when I was 21. So I'm no, like, it's oh. true. It, uh, it, yeah, it, you yeah. do start noticing it, but we're, you still have a ways. Wait till 40 hits. Yeah. Oh, I can't it's wait. It's like you need two days to recover from pickleball. <laughs> oh, my. Ridiculous. No, it, so I'd say like as a huge sports fan myself growing up and playing like – it's kind of a culmination of a lot of that, that right. I experienced that and... You understand that energy. Yeah, understand the from energy. From both sides, as a fan and a player. Yeah, and some of my closest friends through school were athletes, and so I kind of got that perspective too, and it was really... It's, it's really cool, and I there are little pinch-me moments in general that I try not to take it for granted, and I know too that there's a shelf life, that basically right. I can only have that job as long as I look a certain way <laughs> and not that's not like a, a body get, type thing. Like, it's not mean. that but it's like i've got to look like i could be college age right and that's a that's a hard thing i was talking to someone that had, had previously done it and i was like yeah i don't know when like my time's gonna be up and ultimately it's byu's decision too that if they decide mm, child's like thanks but we're gonna go a different direction that's great i've had a good run um but their, their words to me were, you can never go back. Like, this is just embrace it, like, enjoy what it is for right now right. and savor it. Because once you go, like, you go and you can't turn around. You're already past the point where you can be like, oh, well, I'm back, right. um, at least in the, in the BYU capacity. Right. So how many 
athletes have you dated over the years? <laughs> no comment. Come on. <laughs> just say a number. We'll just oh. say any, I mean, that could mean one date. That could mean, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't have a number. <laughs> but, uh, and then what's the ratio of football, <laughs> basketball, and baseball? Um, I will say in, <laughs> in my prime – <laughs> which is not presently you're am, so dumb <laughs> i swear in my in, prime in my prime i <laughs> had been out with someone from every team really yeah men swimming yeah really they're super flexible <laughs> very flexible great shoulders <laughs> great delts yeah everyone knows that, <laughs> that <laughs> every team ballroom dancing that's well, not is that every sport? ncaa team okay plus okay. rugby Soccer. Uh, I guess they're not really they're NCAA, not. Not huh? NCAA. Losers. Well, Just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Soccer, we love you. If you can't get a scholarship, I'm not going to date you. Sorry. That's Let funny. that be known so that who- it was Cam's words and not mine. <laughs> I did Disclaimer. not Disclaimer. So, <clears throat> oh my gosh, Jinx. That was cute. Now all of a sudden you're talking I was the gonna time when my dating I was going to keep going down the drama, or not drama, like the juicy dating stuff. I just wanted to find out what sport was the best for dating i want to know which people which athletes you like the least and then oh. let's name a couple names too just great you want timelines you want me to taylor swift this okay great um uh i would say because oh. there's got to be st- like there's the stereotypes right oh, i'm sure everyone expects football players to all be a bunch of like douchebags yeah. right uh my my closest friends were football right not the best dating experiences. Um, Dang it. My <laughs> yeah, theory. Sorry. Um, probably the most positive dating experiences were men's volleyball. Really? Yeah. They weren't. That's cool. I, well, well, I could get myself into trouble here, but not as like high maintenance or. <laughs> we just talked about. Yeah. This. Yeah. Defensive backs and wide receivers and basketball players. Uh-huh. Pretty Again, much, it's a, it's, a bo- <laughs> it's a body type. It's a body type. If you're uh, just maybe swimmers too, like if you're tall and you know. Well, and I think a threaded. lot of it comes down to the attention that they're getting too, right? Well, the, for sure. But there's also a lot of those guys who get a lot of attention. They're just the sweetest dudes true. ever. Yep. It's just, I, but I think you do have to be a certain type of like brash, not yeah. brash or confident to be in a certain position group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like basketball players, there's only five of you. So yeah, you're getting a lot of attention and you have to stand out. Like you got to stand out like to get playing time. It's a lot harder, you know, where football, it's a little easier to fly under the radar because, you know, there's a lot more dudes out there, but, but I will also say from golfing with Fui Vakapuna many, many, many times back when he was in, I called him Fui the fixer, (laughs) right? Where he, he was basically the bat phone for any athlete that did something stupid. (laughs) And so I will say there was no, let's just say it was very evenly spread across the teams <laughs> as far as mistakes goes. Like That's it was right. so every day it'd be like, oh, damn swimmers. <laughs> oh, it, it, freaking basketball players. <laughs> it just, it just went down the road. So anyway, I equal thought that opportunity would be for equal opportunities across, for yeah, honor code breakage <laughs> issues. Let's so, just say I've had to hire a few student athletes here to keep them from getting into trouble. So would we say that you're a fixer as well? I am. Yes. Okay. I am in his network of fix fixers, but he's not a fixer anymore. So I haven't really had to do that, but I will say a couple of them are now in the NFL. So 
Bam Bam's was a safe haven, and it worked. I still have not seen any of their paycheck, though, so (laughs) bull crap. You should have negotiated that deal a little stronger. (laughs) So I want to know how you got going with Tony Fee now. Yeah. Um, Well, we'll shift from the the BYU freight train over here (laughs) Um, from Chelsea's dating escapades, much to Cam's dismay. BYU Weekly. (laughs) Um, So it actually came from BYU. Um, When I was getting ready to graduate that February, um, David Almodova, who is my boss um, there at BYU, or then and technically now too, uh, he called me one day and was like, hey, so is kind of off the wall but we've got or I got a call from someone on Tony Finau's team that he's a PGA Tour golfer like gave me full context because we'd never talked about golf I had never worked with golf nothing um he's like yeah somebody on Tony Finau's team he's this Polynesian golfer blah 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 like he's looking for someone to help with his foundation and with some marketing and I don't he didn't really know any of the other details it was a pretty vague description that he was given he's like do you have any interest in that and I was like yeah sure like I didn't know what I was going to do to Did make money. Did you follow golf at all at that point? I knew that Tiger golfed. Okay. I also knew that Jordan Spieth was good at the time. Okay. And the dude uh, she dated on the golf team. Oh, uh, I didn't. Well. <laughs> 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 she said every NCAA sport. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been someone. Uh, that one so curious. Didn't last long. No, it was one <laughs> one day. A lot of, well, and I'll say too, I was very conscious of, I knew that I wanted to work in sports. Right. And as anyone you can't just go and like date up a storm and wreak havoc on an athletic department or anything like Why? that. Like, i'm just oh, kidding no yeah. i get it and so it wasn't like here i'm just gonna go and like full send date it's date, date, date like just this chaos Perks. yeah Perks of the job no it was like more familiarity that sure. a lot of my friends overlapped and it was a more normal social it well, and, you, like, and you were an athlete and it yeah. That's pretty normal. Athletes, state athletes. That seems right. to be a pretty common. Yeah, thing. and I it, it wasn't like a oh, these people are randomly sliding into my DMs. Like that was not <laughs> happening. No. <laughs> For sure, no. It was oh, like, wow. oh, we're at the same like birthday party or like dessert night in Provo and Mix and Mingle. Mix and Mingle. Or Linger Longer, what do they call that? Well, uh, all of them. All all of them. All yeah. of them. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. So, yeah, there was a golf guy, but whatever. That's beside <laughs> the point. I didn't learn much from that. Um so, yeah, I got this random call from from David and he's like, oh, yeah, if you're interested and they want to meet with you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, OK. And wow. so I met with with Tony. So did they call asking for you? They called asking for anyone okay. um, or someone that would like fit the bill. And David recommended me. Got it. Um, and kind of matched me up that way. And so I met with Tony's dad <clears throat> and some of his team the next day. And I didn't really know, like, I didn't know if it was like a job interview or like, so I didn't have a resume, like nothing. I just went in there and it was basically like this, that we were just having a conversation and I gave them like my verbal resume and told them what I'd been doing. And I was fresh off of an internship in New York doing sports broadcasting. And so that they really latched onto because I'd already worked or had experience working around professional athletes yeah. Um, and then college athletes for five years at that point. Uh, so it was basically just a conversation and we chatted for like two hours and then they're like, okay, well, we'll talk. And they left and I, I was like, oh, well, I don't know what, was that a job interview? Like, am I supposed to like, what, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So that happens. I, I remember it was a Thursday and like the next, I don't hear anything. I remember David texted me and said, oh, I think they liked you. And I was like, okay, that's great. Great. And the next week I get a call from Tony's dad and I remember I was sick that day. Like I was just like 
under the weather, hibernating at home. And I get a call from Tony's dad and he's like, hey, Tony's in town at Thanksgiving point. Can you be here in 20 minutes? He wants to meet you. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And so I just am like whirlwind, like NyQuil, not NyQuil. Oh, that would have been bad. <laughs> Dayquil, like popping whatever I can to make myself like presentable because I'm like, I have no context. I haven't done enough research. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or even what like this role is. And did so, they like talk to you about like it was part of the charity or Tony? Like, did you have any, any was, idea? what? I was... don't think they really knew. It was so new. So the foundation had been started like the summer prior okay. and Tony had only been on the tour one year year okay um at that point and so it was so so new and they were still trying to evolve like they had a mission statement and they knew at that time that at some point tony wanted to build a learning center and then everything in between like was still pretty open-ended and there wasn't a ton of structure internally um with it either so yeah i i didn't really know not i didn't know enough based off of that first conversation to really know what i was yeah what it would even be and so I, I get myself to Thanksgiving point. I walk in and Tony's in the middle of a um, photo shoot for, I think it was Golf Digest. And I'm like, well, this is weird, like crazy. And his agent his agent is there. I'm watching this whole process. Like nobody knows who I am except for Tony's dad. Yeah. And um, the photo shoot ends and Tony comes over, introduces himself. And he was like, so nice. And he's like, oh, let's all like go back in and chat in here. And I don't know if like I don't know if it was communicated that I was like going to be offered the job or that I already had the job. I think Tony assumed that I already had yeah. the job at the time, but I for sure did not know on my end. Yeah. And so we're like talking, he's like, Oh, well, welcome to the team. Like, great to have you. And I'm like, but like, am Assuming I gonna am sale. I gonna make money? Like, what is you're like what, what, is happening? what team? So I'm just like going with it and I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll like figure something out or I don't know what's going to happen. And um, his agent was like, yeah, can you like make the or put together this like presentation thing? Tony's going to be going to this tournament and they're donating to the foundation and we need like a little brief on the foundation. I'm like, I don't even know what this foundation is. Like, <laughs> but okay, yeah, sure. I, no PowerPoint. It's a learning center for ants. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so... I was like, yeah, sure. And ever, like Tony left. That was like the start of it. And then I figured everything out retroactively for how I was going to get wow. paid, what that was going to look like. And like after that, did someone like officially give you like an offer? In a very informal way. Um, and I was just naive enough to like lean into it. Yeah. And looking back, it's kind of crazy. I didn't realize at the time how much of a risk I was taking because I can now say, oh, well, Tony's one of the best golfers in the world. Yeah. At the time, nobody knew who he was. He was maybe, I remember the very first infographic thing that I made for him on the marketing side was like, he was 106th in the world at the time, which I mean, all things considered, great. Yeah. But for longevity for me or stability for me, like what I make is directly tied to someone else being successful. Yeah. Which is crazy. And to a certain extent, it still is. But there's a massive cushion now because of what he's been able to accomplish. And so, yeah, I had a very informal uh, conversation. I'll say it wasn't necessarily an offer. And then I kind of came back and said, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I would like. And like, like what was the job? The job I, was... Like at that point. Yeah, the job was to build his foundation. Okay. Um, is the best way to summarize it. And so... And just um, for a little background, what like what is what are what's the scope of 
the foundation. Yeah, the scope of the foundation is to help underprivileged kids discover, develop, and achieve their goals in and out of the classroom. So it's broad enough that you can interpret that a lot of ways, um, but then specific enough to give you some focus now. So at that point, they just had the underprivileged kids part, and they had like a master list of things that they wanted to tackle, which was kind of my jumping off point. Um, And then I had so much autonomy to figure out what that looked like for better and worse. Like that first, the first two years were really hard because I didn't really know. And Tony's specialty is going to be on the golf course. Right. And that wasn't necessarily who I was working with directly at that point. And so I was working with some of the, some of the people that were more internal, some board members, um, some family members and trying to figure out what it was going to be and what it was going to look like. And it's evolved a lot since those first first couple years. Um, but yeah, it was really, really vague. And I'm not sure I would recommend that somebody else do the exact same thing that I did. <laughs> I would. Um, no risk, okay. no reward, man. Well, you just got to jump true. in. You felt and, it and you and went it, with it. It happened. That, so that same day that I got the call from David Almodova, I also got a call from KSL. I was interning there doing special projects and lifestyle right. content. Literally that same day, they were like, hey, like we can offer you a part-time position, but we don't have anything else available. And I was like, okay. So I was just kind of building this a la carte lifestyle at the time. And then like BYU offered me the role like a week and a half later. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. That'd be tough. And so all of them were just flexible enough that I thought like my, my mentality was I'm going to give it a year and I'm going to figure out which one I want to lean into. And that will probably be enough time for me to evaluate. And then I got out to a year and I was like, well, I kind of like what I'm doing and I don't, I liked at that time. I liked that. I didn't, I, all of my eggs weren't in one basket and I was getting a ton of experience like through both interview processes. We'll call them. I I mean, you can kind of call them interview processes. They were very vague um, across the board. I was basically building two simultaneous careers and the things that were appealing to both Tony's team and like KSL's team were my opposite skill set. So I became more valuable to KSL because I had a marketing background and I became more valuable to Tony's team because I had a marketing background and this communications broadcasting experience that. Why was that helpful in the, like the foundation side? Uh, media. So I helped manage all that up front and early on. And then a lot of it too was I could be public facing if they needed me to with donors and all of that. And that was a big need early on because we didn't have a donor base or anything like that. So it, so it fell on you to raise a bunch of money. It was a group effort. Um, I needed to, it came back to that. Like we talked about game day atmosphere, right? I needed to create an atmosphere that facilitated donations and that built confidence and that was stable. And to do that in a way I, I, there was no framework. And so that's where I leaned heavy on like some of my media contacts that I'd gained to do some of those initial press releases and some of those initial stories. And, um, then to a lot of my contacts that I used to help Tony's initial programming were actually contacts that I got from, from KSL and vice versa in some ways. Some of the contacts that I've gained from Tony have then also benefited KSL in one way or another, um, down the road. So yeah, it was, I created chaos and it never really left. And I never, I, I like, I lean the most in toward what I'm doing with Tony. That's yeah. where most of my time goes now. Would that um, be like your full-time job yeah. in air quotes? Yeah, in air quotes because <laughs> it, it ebbs and flows. And 
Um, every day looks a little bit different, but there, if there's a pecking order, that's the one at the top. Okay. Yeah. What is like your, like now as it's evolved, what is more of your like day to day with, with the foundation? Yeah, my, it, it's everything. I wear a lot of hats. I mean, we vaguely call me the director of operations and that's everything from marketing, event planning, fundraising, programming, accounting, um, financial strategy. Uh, right now, we just barely announced that we're going to build that learning center that yeah. Tony's wanted for years, so cool. which is so cool and so exciting. And I've never opened a learning center, so we're going to learn, learn, we're going to learn a learning center. Exactly. And I think, um, one thing there, this is, I'm kind of jumping all over, but there was a class that I took at BYU called learning through service, random one credit class. I was like, this sounds cool, I guess one credit <laughs> elective. Um, and I will never forget that first day they did, we read like a case study about how people serve and how they give back. And there was this little town that had gone through some kind of natural disaster and they, um, this big organization came in to like swoop and save them and they brought all this stuff, but it wasn't what they needed. What they needed was like water purifiers and filtration systems because their water supply was right. damaged and, and impacted and nobody listened. And they just kept sending all this stuff and all this food and hygiene kits. And they're like, no, we got our toothpaste, but we don't have this stuff. And the lesson there was like, you've got to listen in order to then go forward and, and serve. Um, the people that you're trying to serve. Yeah. And that became a big thing for me with, with Tony and now with this learning center is anything that I don't know, I've become a very good listener and I know when I don't know what to do. And so that's been something that I think professionally for me has evolved over the years is you kind of feel like a little bit of a hotshot coming out of college and you're like, oh, I can do whatever. And then you have like your humbling moments. And then I settled into this good groove of, okay, anything that I don't know, I need to find someone that knows it better and listen, whether that's service, whether that's this learning center, whether it's um, financial accounting for a nonprofit, like there, there's been so much of that. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway over the years is listen. That's Just, awesome. Yeah. How much contact do you have with Tony now? A lot more. A lot more. Yeah, I I work directly with him on ninety five percent of the things that I do. Does okay. he need? Does he know all the nuanced details? No, he knows the reporting once it gets to that point. Um, but he's pretty involved with everything mm -hmm. that's going on. Yeah. So anything programming, um, and a lot of it's observational, right? Like I say, listening is important, and so much of it has been. Uh, it's not to sound creepy, but like paying attention to Tony, right? That. It's my job to bring his dreams and kind of goals to life on the on the foundation and on the foundation side. And so I think it most recently happened with I know that Tony reads a ton. He reads every time he flies, like he burns through books like crazy. And he he's one that he didn't go to college. And so for him it was important to continue his education in some way. And he does that through reading. He loves self-help books, has like, he's the, one of the best people to go to if you want a book recommendation, um, which a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. And so I've known this over the years, just on a personal level, not necessarily applying it in any way. And so I was talking to him in the spring of 2021, and we were kind of talking through like, what do you want to do this year foundation wise? And I'd been brainstorming some ideas and I said, okay, well, um, what if we tied like your birdies to books and you donated books to kids in need and kind of, we did some literacy initiatives and he like immediate, like that was the, the best, I think <laughs> the best idea I've ever had that he loved. Right. <laughs> right yeah. And he immediately latched on and was so excited about it. And it gave, it was cool to see him light up with that um, because it was a direct 
fit. Like it was something that was important to him. He knew the value of from growing up in a situation where he didn't necessarily have access to that. And it was easy for us to do and take care of. Yeah. And so that was three weeks before the masters. And he was like, okay, great. So can we roll this out in like, but for the masters? And I was like, uh, uh, um, okay. And what's awesome about Tony is that like, it, it can be a great thing and a bad thing that he doesn't necessarily know what goes into something like that, but he's so like eager and willing and there's no drama and no frills and no fuss about it that you can make something like that happen. And I said, uh, yep. So I hope your guest house is ready in, uh, Scottsdale because I'm going to fly down there and film a little video with you because we need more than a selfie video to announce this. Yeah. Right. And I was on a plane a day later and we filmed a little intro and like kind of broke down the basics for how many books he wanted to donate what the financial impact was going to be on the foundation, what that would look like. Um, and we, we built out this program in my notes app on my phone. And then he announced it two weeks later. And to date it's over 9,000 books that will be distributed by the end of the year around that's Utah, so cool. which is great. I mean, he's golfing really well. So that that's awesome. And what was cool too is it, and I can't speak for him, but I'm assuming that it brings a lot of fulfillment on a weekly basis, knowing that the better he plays, the more impact that he's going to have in the community. And well, it's so fun to tie those things together. Yeah. Right. Like the jazz nerd. And so obviously they have their scholarship program. Exactly. Rudy Gobert with his program. Whenever he goes to a visiting city, every block he gets, he yeah. donates to a local charity. Yeah. You know, like all the, it's just so cool to tie performance to giving back. Right. It's a really, really cool idea. Yeah. Plus it gives you the opportunity to do some stuff. I mean, how cool that you thought of that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it's like you have this bullhorn, like with this athlete where if you have an idea and it kind of fits with the scope or the yeah. mission of, of the charity or the foundation, I mean because of Tony, you can really get it out there. That's the most fulfilling part yeah. by far with what I do. And, and a kind of a weird pinch me moment, right? That yeah, for sure. I could never have the same amount of like personal impact right. that he can. And we've become good friends over the years. And I understand a lot of the things that he wants to do. And it's my, it becomes my job to, if we want to call it Biebering, to kind of figure out what that's going to look like. And I think too, um, especially with this Birdies for Books program and working with different schools, I get to have a lot of conversations where I just listen. And for me, like selfishly, it's been a really great opportunity for me to understand circumstances other than my own and other backgrounds and upbringings and and issues that I had no idea were taking place. Like we we are working on building out some focus groups for West Valley city to kind of have those opportunities to talk and listen, um, with the different groups that we need to, but just the early research that 60% of kids in that area can't read at their grade level. And wow. then you go from there and there's this, there's this thing that they call the prison pipeline. They, they base prison expansion off of reading rates at the fourth grade level. And that's just like crazy. when I heard, I heard about that like two or three years ago, I don't know that my heart's ever sunk so much that you have these kids in these areas and they like they're trying and if they don't have the resources or if they don't have certain things like that was never going to be an issue for me growing up like it pisses me off that yeah. they're actually do, like instead of paying somebody to research reading levels and where to build prisons like help them get the reading levels up yeah. 
Like put the money there. Like let's and, let's fix the problem before it gets to prison. But then know? what's interesting too is because I kind of did the same thing. And then I listened to some more counselors and they're like, well, here's part of the root of the problem is these kids are hungry and they're acting up yeah. because they're hungry. So then you can kind of correlate, okay, well, there's an attendance issue. There's a reading issue. There's a, like their grades are low. Well, why are they low? Not that all of it's because they're hungry, but when I'm, help. when I'm hangry, I am a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> it is not a good situation. And so if that's the case for me as an that's adult. That's why I gave her free food that day. Yeah, exactly. If, um, <laughs> yeah, I was just wielding my sword and bam, bam. She stabbed a knife into the wall. It was weird. <laughs> I'd never met her before. And uh, oh, I'm just kidding. You're like, okay, we're going to throw some brisket. Um, Someone's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. I mean, for, you sure. see, for kids at any stage, for people at any stage, and it's so basic that then you're like, okay, well, how can we fix this? And then we partnered in 2020 with an organization called For the Kids that provides extra food backpacks for those kids so that they're consistently eating on the weekends if they're not, if they don't have stability at home. And so there are little incremental things that you have to do over a long period of time to make that change. And all of it stemmed from, goes back to listening and observing. and, And for me, it's really cool to be in that role um, to one, be a messenger for Tony and say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. Um, but then personally to be involved in some work that's really impactful and, and that I have an okay amount of control in. That's so much fun. Yeah. To have the ability to kind of build and help as you go and impact. And it's so, so awesome. You guys are doing so much good stuff. Yeah. And nowhere to help the empathy that I'm sure, I mean, empathy wise, because, yeah. I mean, it's funny how we all kind of stay in our own worlds, right? Yeah. You don't really have to go out and tell you're working and something like that where, you know, you don't see the other side of the tracks a lot. You just donate your money and you're good. But right. how much better is it to be able to know exactly where to put that and what really actually helps? And understanding, we, we did this every year Tony does a Tony's turkeys event. And this was probably one of my biggest learning moments too with the foundation is one year we had the opportunity to make it really big and it was going to be like hot food served and all of the families could come to one place. And it was going to be this whole thing. And we had nobody show up like maybe like we were supposed to feed a thousand people and we had 50, maybe 75 people. And like, I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, I don't understand. Like we had kind of like these pledges, like people, the administrators that we were working with had said, oh yeah, like this number of families, like this is what you can expect. And none of it happened. And after when I was having those conversations, they said, these people don't need that. Like what they need is you to meet them where they're at and recognize, like they don't want their situation to be magnified. And I hadn't, like in my mind, I was like, we're giving these people food. Like, why wouldn't you, if you're hungry, like you go and get this. Well, it's kind of like a slap in the face at the same time. Totally. And I, I didn't realize that nobody on our team like fully thought through that. The organizations we were partnering with, like nobody raised that flag. And I realized that we didn't ask the right questions. And that's been, I hate that that happened and went that way. But at the end of the day, it's made us so much better at what we're doing. What a fantastic learning experience. And the fact that, you know, the organization gave you grace and everyone graced it. Yeah. Missed it to learn from it and get better. Right. Right. As opposed to that being a defining moment now. Right. You know, and, help things along the and way. And now we help even more families and we do drive-by pickups and we have different pickup times and windows and schools and it's facilitated in a completely different way and um, it meets them where they're at. Yeah. And that was, yeah, a big, a big learning moment. And I'm very grateful for grace in that situation too. 
so much fun. Man, I got questions for days. On all I know. That, so it it is really, really cool. So just shifting a little bit. So what have you learned about, I think this is something that a lot of people don't think about. Like, I'm sure you've been around a lot of pro athletes now, not just yeah. Tony, just because. So what is something that you've learned as far as how to interact or maybe how to be yeah. in that world? Yeah. Because it's different. It's very different and can be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, my attitude is fake it till you make it right. and act like you've been there. That's I like I, I have joked with people that I'm 28 now, but I've been telling people I'm 28 for like six years <laughs> because <laughs> I I looked so young when I got hired. And right. then when I would be introduced as like, oh, this is like Chelsea. She runs our foundation that people like needed an extra vote of confidence aside from like how I visually looked that I was older like I went and to MIT I went oh to MIT. <laughs> oh okay. I was just a child genius like I graduated yeah, yeah. when I was 15 and it's <laughs> a whole thing um now and so if it ever came up like I just said I was 28 so now I'm finally 28 um oldest 28 year old ever um but I'd say yeah fake it till you make it um act like you've been there as far as just like normal social interactions and I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you are, if you come in contact with a with a celebrity or an athlete, and you are there for your fleeting moment, by all means, like get the selfie, get the whatever. If you're trying to build rapport and you want to be viewed as a normal person, you have to treat them like a normal person. And my most positive interactions have come from that. And it sounds so dumb and so simple, but it's really that. If you want to be treated as a normal person in their eyes, you also have to do the same You're to them. You're either a fan third, or a peer. Third door. Yep. Oh, there's exactly. a couple of books we'll give you for Tony. Oh, perfect. Yeah, for sure. But no, you're right. Like you can't, well, and I've been around quite a few of them and it's, what I've noticed is they just want, it's almost like the more real you are with them. Yeah. You almost like want to give them crap, like treat them just like they're your buddy because they, they're so used to yes people. Right. Right. They get, I mean, and there are certain things where I'm sure they're like, um, um, <clears throat> <laughs> but the so more awesome. real you are, but you're right. Like you have, you can be a fan or a friend, but you can't be, you can't be both. both. Right. I mean, you can still be a fan, but it's not like you it, can't be asking them for autographs all the time. It's supportive. And yes, like that, that's what it turns into. Like that's not what friends care about. They ca like friends care about the person, right? Not the self. Like that's the other thing too is, yeah, you can't just be taking pictures of everything and posting it because then right. it's like, are you here for me or are you here for right. sharing this, right? Well, and when we talk about the opportunity that I have to give back and make an impact, like that, a lot of that stems from trust. And yes. that I, I had to recognize really quick across the board and everything that I'm doing that trust is important and optics are also important. Yeah. That Especially I, now. Yeah, that I need to, I'm an extension of certain people and certain brands and I need to lean into the weight of that and recognize that. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that trust comes from not documenting all the things. I mean, that's one of the most common questions that I get asked with Tony is like, oh, like, do you see him often? And I'm like, look at a PGA Tour calendar schedule. Like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't. It's, it's, a, it's a professional working relationship and we become good friends, good friends with his wife. And it is what it is. Like, it's painfully normal honestly right and i think people are looking <laughs> right. for these like really flashy things and i'm like no like it's not that we chat about 
what Netflix shows we're watching and they are normal people. Yeah. I mean, that's what people forget. They're, I mean, well, and I don't know why we think that they would be anything else. Like, what do we think right. they're doing? Well, they're so many like of them a, are still so young. That, yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing. Right? thing. Like, basketball players, you know, they're just a bunch of young kids. <laughs> right. You right. know they're what I mean? They're playing Xbox at their apartment when they're not practicing. <laughs> right. 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 Well, like when I started working for Tony, he was 26, yeah. had four kids. I think that's what also made it a little different is I didn't feel the like how young he was and how young I was because he had four kids and yeah. was already very established in that way. But honestly, like he's grown up. He still had so much growing up to do professionally on the tour and then just in general, like yeah. he wasn't that old. And... Yeah, people people tend to miss that. Wow. Okay. So, what's how long do you? I mean, beyond the whole, do you think you're gonna like outgrow the job because you're too old? <laughs> like, do you see the Tony thing taking over all of your time, so you can't be doing the BYU thing, or are you still into wanting to keeping you know keep both? I think I I don't know. I'm very much so a figure it out as I go person. I think. I like having something that's for me. And I think the BYU job. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah. I think think the, the BYU job, it's a. It's fun for you. Yeah. It's fun for me. It's your thing. It's, it's my thing and it doesn't require much from me. Well, they always tell you, you need to have something that makes you money, keeps you fit and keeps you creative. Like those three things, you know? Well, and I think what you said, like it's a self-care thing too, right? Like, yeah. We forget that sometimes. Like it is important to have something that, yeah, for you, because I, I imagine you're, you know, director of ops for Fina Foundation. It's none of that's about you, right? No, you're, you're, which is also very healthy, right? But I think it's really cool that you noticed that at 28 that you you want. You need to have something for you too. Yeah. And, and I think I get that from BYU. And I always joke too that that's like a paid hobby. I would go to the games anyway because yeah. I'm a huge BYU fan. Sure. And so that's really kind of a. You get good like, seats. Yeah. Great seats. <laughs> My legs are shot after the game. They're like, why are you so tired? You don't really do anything. I'm the like, field is really big. Like, that's I why. I stood for like five hours. They're like, oh, boo hoo. You and your field pass. I'm like, oh, let me have my diva moment. People just don't understand, right? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> It's hard. (laughs) So I think that that's kind of a time sensitive thing. Like right now, if it's my life is really great for someone who's at my life stage, I'm single, I'm doing my own thing. Like it's not conducive to having a family at the present time. So I I imagine that will be kind of a catalyst whenever that does or doesn't happen um, in the proper order. I have to find someone first. Whenever that does or doesn't happen. (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to be helpful. Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) It's happening. It's a bleak world out there. And it there. can all still happen. Like, yeah. That's the other cool thing about what you're doing with Tony is, I mean, yeah, maybe the BYU thing would be a little harder, but yeah, I, I mean, that's a career you can totally keep doing while being and, yeah, and a wife and a mom and all that stuff. Exactly. And it can look different at different times Absolutely. in my involvement. And especially with nonprofits too. Like, I don't, I don't know what my role is going to be. Right now, right. I have my hands in everything, but maybe it's something that at some point I fall back into an advisory board or a board, like yeah. where you still are involved, but maybe I'm not the one that's doing all the executing of it. I don't yeah. know. Well, I'm, I think it's so cool that you kind of did get to build it yeah, it's. I mean, I'm when you sure got it was scary so at the things. time. I had a seat at the table that I had no business having a seat at the table, like at yes, 22. You did, but but really, like society norms. Fair, fairborn, okay. Well, I, 
No, but seriously, you did. I, I, I'm not joking. I, yeah. You told, I mean, it is. It's imposter syndrome, right? We all we all yeah. deal with it. But it, your age doesn't matter. No. Like the experience right. that you have, like, and I mean, we're not factoring in just your personality, right. the way that you carry yourself. The you there are people that just have common sense that you just you're wired with it, right? Like you yeah. understand the nuances of being around a professional athlete and, and the trust yeah. that comes with that. But you learned all that at BYU. Yep. It's the same at BYU, right? Like I can go to practices, but the second I tell Ben Criddle, <laughs> like who's practice. starting at quarterback yeah. on Monday, because just because I know. Doesn't mean. I'm you, done. Yeah. I Like yep. I could have 10 years, right? Like that trust is a huge thing. And right. How cool that you knew all that moving well, and into I think that job. Too, the best way to summarize it is that I took a big risk on Tony, but he also took a big risk on me, and both yeah. of us were in positions that we couldn't afford anything else. Right. I I needed some flexibility because at the time I wanted to do like lean in hard on the TV side, and I was like, okay, this is going to give me something else. I don't really know, but I, I like that I can make an impact and I can give back, and at the same time, like Tony didn't know what his future or what was in store for him, and right. he wasn't in a position after being on the tour for one year and seven years grinding it out on like the, the tours that feed into the PGA tour, what he, what options he had to bring in somebody else or to bring in an expert or to bring in any yeah. of that, that it was like, okay, let's fill this out. And then they it, wanted it somebody that could be in the family. Right. And be tr- like, I'm sure that that interview was so like chill because it was more about like, we want somebody that we can probably. have fun with, that we can trust that just fits in. Yeah. Because none of us really know what it is yet. Right. But if the person fits in and we can trust the person, right. like yeah, that's the foundation. Get the right person on the bus, they can change seats once they're on the bus, but you totally got to get right. them on yeah. the bus. Totally yeah. right. And so, yeah, I mean, at some point you're going to recognize like you brought some skills to the game, right? Oh, for sure. And, and I, so, same thing that, I mean, I started working in athletics at 18. Right. So I was graduating and I had, they trusted me with so much while I was at BYU that I'm the lead planner on the Y Awards that was right. televised at the time. Or when they started doing fan fest, like those were my baby. And I would plan all of these like large scale events for fans and teams and a lot of moving pieces. And I'm working with coaches and, and it was such good experience. And I owe it to David Almodova for trusting me as a student employee to do that. And then, yeah, that like I'm graduating with five years of like solid work experience. That's the thing. So who cares if you're 23, right? Oh, no, no. But right. it, in that world like that, I yeah. experienced, like I said, experienced so many situations where other people cared about it. And I was like, right. fine, I'll just lie about my age and I'll be fine. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's it's been a weird ride that I didn't expect. And now six years down the road, and I'm like, okay, we're watching Tony in the background, or I'm watching it through the reflection of a jersey on the wall right now. Um, And he's playing at Tiger's Invitational with only 20 other golfers that were invited in the world. And you're at the back of Bam Bams. And I'm at the back of Bam Bams doing a podcast. For free. (laughs) For free. No, I'm going to snake some free food out of this situation. No, You are. Um, That... I never, I never knew that I wanted to work in this capacity or in this industry, and I ne- I don't know that I would have chosen this on paper, but I'm really glad to be here and sure. in a in a cool role and here for the ride. So cool. Well, and networking, right? I mean, yeah. Who knows where you get good at that? Working at BYU, especially working with multiple departments, it's yeah. BYU is an interesting place. Yeah, I'm well, sure you know better than most. And I. 
Like you, it's crazy. Everyone's on their own Island, right? And in marketing, it's no different because you've got six different marketing sites, right? That all work separately from each other. Well, someone, when I was probably 19, (laughs) was trying to give me dating advice and they were like, (laughs) just be pleasant and present. And I was like, what? But then I, (laughs) that stuck with me and I applied it to work that I was like, okay, I don't really know, like I need people to forgive me along the way if I don't know what I'm doing, but if I can just be a pleasant person to work with, that's going to go a long way. And then if I can be like present and engaged in what I'm doing and learning and growing and like being an active participant in what's happening, then like maybe that will work. And so without even realizing it, that's kind of been my attitude across everything that I've done is maybe it's a little too people pleaser of me. I don't know. I can also be a little bit of a firecracker at times, but knowing that I like it when people are pleasant to work with. I'm going to give that same thing and learn as much as I can and soak it all up. Well, it's so cool what you're doing and you built some awesome stuff. So congrats on some really awesome stuff. It's been fun. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. I bet it's, I bet it's crazy. And you know, who knows what else I would imagine you probably have the capacity to maybe run another foundation. Like uh, if that, is that some other golfer? Calls? I think what's been interesting is so much of like foundations, especially for celebrities and for athletes, they, they don't, that's not their specialty. They don't know. So they have either someone on their agency run it or they lean on a family member um, that I've had some people over the years reach out and be like, Hey, we're going to, yeah, what do I do? How do we approach this? Um, that I've kind of entertained, like maybe it's turns into more of an agency that you take on clients and you work Boom. in that capacity. And that wow. looks different for um, every athlete. Cause some are going to be more hands-on Tony's more hands-on and wants right. to have programming. That's his own. Some Others just want the tax break. <laughs> Someone a tax <clears throat> break. Um, <laughs> some of them yep. um, raise all this money and donate all the money and they're uh, do- donate all the money that they raise. And then they're, account zero out and they start right. over again the next year and that's how it goes. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't really the know. The Fairborn Agency? The fair- that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, it doesn't really like roll out the tongues. No, I think it my, does. The Fairborn Agency? Official. The Fairborn Agency. Uh, I mean, there's like the Oppenheim group on Selling Sunset. So I guess that doesn't really like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll play with I, it. But see, I love that you're thinking big and that like, uh, well, what's ahead? Cause you're, you're young. Like you love what you're doing. You probably have more capacity. You're obviously still. really, really good at it. Right. Well, so I've always been a dreamer for better or worse. Like right. my mom, I think I've, str- I ran for student council every single year and my poor mother just like <laughs> was so stressed out. And I just, I was resilient. If I lost, I was like, okay, sick. Like just bounce back and just like, ting, 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 like do whatever in my own little world. And yeah, I mean, whether it's an agency or I love writing, right. I would love to... I told Tony he's going to write a children's book. So this is me reminding you, Tony, if you're listening, that you're going to write a children's book at yeah, some Tony, point. Yeah, if you're listening. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Hello. I'm so... Win the Hero World Challenge. Sorry if you don't. Um, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm, I regret that we haven't asked you yet, and maybe I'll just ask it now really quick. What is your background as far as your family life goes? Like how many kids in your family? Yeah. Um, I'm the oldest, You're the oldest uh, very how many? type A of three. So okay. it's me. And then I have a little sister that's 20, I don't know how old she, 24. Okay. And she's married. Um, her husband um, is awesome. Great brother-in-law. He's an engineer. She's the videographer for BYU football. So oh, that's wow. fun. Um, and then my, I have a brother that's 
16, so he's the the caboose and keeps us all young. Um, but he's my he's my little buddy. I take I took him to the Ryder Cup with me this past year. <laughs> I know. Like, oh. His first PGA Tour event, I was like, oh my gosh, like rolling my eyes the whole time. But I needed someone to all keep right, me listen. awake. Masters Driving. for Ryder Cup. We've I figured out our trade. Okay, you want to go to Rome? Great. Perfect. Holy crap. How many days did you want to go to the Masters? That's the oh. only way I'm getting to Europe. I told Jenna oh that if you're gosh. getting me to Europe, it's we're going during that the Ryder Cup. Wild. You can go do all your stuff, and I'm going to go watch golf. <laughs> oh, Parents still together? They are separated. Oh, So, yeah, there is a little, some some drama, family life there. Interesting. Um, and and you know, you wonder, like, because you do, you seem wise beyond your years. But, I, I mean. I think I grew up really fast. Right. Um. That was and I, I've always been an old yeah. soul, like 13 going on 30, but right. for real, that I've always been a little older in that regard. And I, I don't know why. I think I was always well aware of like actions and consequences too, that I, I had the forethought at a young age to recognize like, oh, if I do this, then this is going to be good for better and worse. Like I think- Your I, brain does that? Yeah. Wow. I wish I had that. Yeah. I'll, I'll share some love. I'll just be a consultant <laughs> on the side for you. You can be like, I'm going to call the Fairborn Group. The Fairborn Group. Agency. Agent. Oh, I think I might like the Fairborn Group better. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think I've always, I don't know why, but I think I've always had some perspective or been able to step back and recognize like, here's the line that will, or the chain of events that will happen from this. And maybe it's because I saw it play out in family life or personal right. life or whatever growing up. Um I don't, I don't know. I think I think that's cool. And that's why it's important to remember, like, maybe it's healthy for everybody to have a little imposter syndrome when they're doing stuff because it keeps you on your toes. Like, yeah, maybe by you thinking you don't deserve it or that you're getting lucky. So if I'm getting lucky, I got to, like, bring my A game so I don't lose it. And I, but, I mean... It, everyone has it. It's just about, like, acknowledging it, not letting it, like, debilitate you. Right. And right. even saying, like, 28, fake it till you make it, right? Right. Like, even saying you're 28, like, if that's what you got to do, like, yeah. it paid off, but you're you're capable like if you just can tell yourself you're capable it doesn't matter how old you are because i mean it is like you look at the experience you had by the time you were 22 years old like holy crap and i can have the 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 humble imposter syndrome moments but at the same time like i'm also smart enough to know like i put in the work i know what that looks like i mean as a student employee i was working like 45 50 hours a week and i sure was not supposed to based on (laughs) Based on what they like brought me in for, but I was like just soaking up all this information and I've always been that way. And so I can connect the dots there too, that it's like, okay, well, I know that I only got the job or was referred where Tony was concerned because of my work ethic. Damn straight. And so I- Good for you that you know that. Yeah, there's a correlation there and I'm not- She has it, but she's not, she's never leaned out of it. Well, but the reason I, the reason I bring it up isn't for you. It's it's for the people that are coming behind us, right? Like- because so many people don't start because they think like, I'm too sure. young. Yeah. I don't know. And we talk about that all the time on here is like, we love these stories because it's like, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, 18, yeah. 45. Like if you think you don't know what you're doing, like if you've got an introduction to something that could be really cool, like we don't overthink, do go, yeah. just, just dive in and make it happen. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is not overthinking it. And that's also been something that I, I'm very analytical with how I approach it and logical in my decision-making, but not to the point where I'm not a stressor. And I think that's a big part of it is you've just, good thing, like 
it's no risk without or no reward without the risk. Yeah. And you've got to be willing to take that step. And well, the female thing, if you were an analytical person, you would have been like, um, <laughs> well, listen. my mom is an accountant and I'm right. sure she was like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, so much credit to her and honestly to, to both of my parents for how I was raised. There was never a, you can't do this or oh, like it's maybe awesome. like check your expectations. There was never any of that. And I think too, that, I didn't know that this line of work that I'm in even existed. When I was going through school, I went to a, to a small high school that I had no concept of what I could do. And I'm so glad that I didn't have parents that put me in a box that didn't yeah. say, you need to go and you need to go to this kind of program or go through a more traditional thing. Like that was never the case. And I think a lot of it, my dad is an, is an entrepreneur. Okay. And so that helped because that's kind of been the mentality. And I think a lot of how I've approached my work life now is entrepreneurial in its own way that I didn't go and work at a tech company, which we love tech companies, but I didn't do that immediately (laughs) after I graduated. And I have your own thing. Yeah. I kind of did my own thing and people still think I'm a little crazy and sometimes think I need a grown up job, but I'm like, yo, I have a grown up job. I've got a couple of them. And that's, that's an entirely separate side <laughs> conversation that we're not going to get into, but it's, it's a good time. Such a good story. So much has happened to you at, I mean, at what you've earned, right? But you have so much, you're so young, like so many more things are going to happen. I'm excited. Such a and cool And terrified. No, so much fun. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Thank thanks you for, for having sharing. me.